0: Welcome to Wyoming, My 307. My name is Carla Mowell and I decided to start a podcast about Wyoming. Um, I called it My 307 because we're one of only 13 states that have a single area code. We only have 500,000 folks. It is the least populated uh, state in the continental U.S. and Even those few folks are spread out over a massive area of over 100,000 square miles. Now, you might think, well, that's a whole lot of nothing, but it's not true. And all those 100,000 square miles have little towns in them. Uh, We only have 99 incorporated towns, but each town has a story and even the areas that don't have towns have a lot of wildlife and a lot of fun things to explore. So Wyoming's capital city is Cheyenne. Cheyenne only has 60,000 people in it. That's smaller than a lot of suburbs of bigger cities. Our smallest town is Lost Springs, Wyoming, which I haven't been to, but I definitely want to check it out. Lost Springs has four Let me repeat, four residents. And when I read that, I just had to wonder, like, does it have a mayor? Uh, Do they take turns being the mayor? Or do they actually have elections? Do they pull straws and whoever the unlucky person, that's their turn to be mayor? Those are the kind of questions I want to explore and, and check out. So most of what we have is just miles and miles of miles and miles you might know Wyoming or associate Wyoming with Yellowstone National Park, with Buffalo Bill, with Cowboys and Rodeo and Ranching and yes all of that is going to be a topic at some point uh, on the podcast but we have so many other things that I want to explore too like just um, just some of the nooks and crannies of Wyoming's history and a closer look at those little tiny towns that are just a dot on the map. Wyoming wildlife, that's one of the things that we're most known for. And I wanna have in the future some invited guests so that you can hear more Wyoming voices. Every episode, I plan to feature one dot on the map of Wyoming. And so for the first episode, I decided to go with a sentimental favorite and share some information with you about Grable, Wyoming. Now it's it's a sentimental favorite because this is the town that my great-grandfather moved to, moved his whole family to when my grandma was a young girl. They came by covered wagon, from Weir City, Kansas, which is over a 1,000 miles away. They could have come by train, but since they were moving their whole house and everything, it was more reasonable for them to come by wagon. Today, that would be a long 17-hour drive on highways to Weir City, Kansas. Back then, it probably took them at least two weeks to get that um, 1,000 miles. And when they got to Grable, they didn't move into a house they put up a wall tent now it was a big wall tent it was probably the size of like a one-car garage but they lived in that tent for over a year for like a year and a half and that included 40 below zero winters in a tent with a wood stove to warm them and when I get a little tiny bit whiny about winter in Wyoming I just think about that if my grandma could be in a tent for a year and a half I think I can handle any kind of winter that Wyoming serves me up. So Grable is in north central Wyoming and it's on Crow, Cheyenne and Sioux lands. It's in a 100 mile wide area that's called the Bighorn Basin. And that area is mostly farmland, also some desert and public land, but it's completely surrounded. This plateau is surrounded by mountain. Now, I'm always interested in place names and how places got their names. And for Grable, it's based on a legend of an old gray bison that lived along the river. And that bison was wily and hard to get at, but hunters figured out the best way to get it for sure was to drive it off the cliff into the river below. So the river, and then later the town, was named Grable in honor of that bison. Today, Grable is a little dot on the map that is well worth a stop to explore. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about fun things to do in Grable, but also where to eat. That's important too. So my favorite or one of my favorite places to take people because I think it's just very unique is the Museum of Flight and Aerial Firefighting. Now this is an outdoor exhibit for the most part but you come in through a visitor center that explains to you the significance of the planes and what they were used for and some of them were used in movies and so that's kind of fun to check out. Once you go through the visitor center, you'll go out into an outdoor exhibit that's basically a boneyard of old planes dating back to World War II. Now these planes were repurposed and refurbished to use in what they call aerial firefighting. And that's basically fighting forest fires from the air. And they dump chemicals onto the forest fires to try and put them out. So it's just really fun because you can actually walk around the planes but also inside some of the planes Uh, my favorite is the air canada plane it has a really cool canadian flag on it i just like the shape of it i'll post a picture of that one since i have several pictures of that one i'll post it on the show notes website Um, this is a stop i would recommend basically for anybody who's interested in aviation World war ii firefighting or just for kids who need to get out of the car and run around. It's a great place for that. My tips for visiting the Museum of Flight is one to take water because it is kind of in a deserty area and it might be hot. The second is to take a light jacket because you never know when the wind whips up or temperature drops here in Wyoming. It's always a good idea to have a jacket. It is open seasonally so Check out their website and I'll put the link in the show notes. Pretty much it's opened the summer months. So if dinosaurs are more your thing or you just want to do more outdoor exploring, I would stop first in Grable and go to the Bighorn Basin Geoscience Center. It's right there on the main drag and it'll show you an overview of important dinosaur finds from our area, a little bit about the geology of our region. You need to learn a little bit about the geology of our region to understand some of the highway signs that say, oh, you're passing through the Chugwater formation on the right to be able to see, okay, what is the Chugwater Formation? And where is it along the history of our earth? But also there's a really awesome gift shop where you can buy Wyoming swag, as well as books and toys and things to um, keep yourself entertained on a long drive. So now that you have the lay of the land, I suggest you leave Grable and go about 10 miles outside of town, to the Red Gulch Dinosaur Track Site. There, you will have a chance to actually walk on the fossilized footsteps of dinosaurs. It is a super fun area to explore dinosaurs and understand in a real hands-on way that Wyoming and of course, much of the West was completely underwater during the era of the dinosaurs and where the track site was was kind of the beach area. As that inland sea started drying up it exposed more and more beach area and you'll actually be able to see fossilized tracks of dinosaurs. It's so fun for kids to actually take those big steps and imagine how big the dinosaur had to be to be able to take those steps. I like to go there and try to find some fossils, especially after a rain. Um, the ones that you can almost always find are called grafea. They're fossilized clamshells, basically. So it'll look like a little shell, but it's made out of stone. And the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, does allow you to pick up samples of those fossils um, that are just loose on the ground for personal use or you know for a personal collection as long as you don't resell it. So I think that's really exciting. Dinosaurs are huge in Wyoming. A lot of the dinosaurs across the whole United States, the museums especially on the east coast, were collected here in Wyoming and I definitely want to do a future episode or more than one On more dinosaur related areas in Wyoming such as Thermopolis and the Fossil Butte area. So by now you're hungry from being um, outside and stomping around so I have a few food recommendations for you. If you're craving Mexican food I recommend Los Gabanes. I really also like their margaritas. If pizza is more your thing, there's a CeCe's Pizza. It's not the national chain. It's a local place and they make their own dough and their pizzas are just really tasty and they always have good special. I'm not a super big fan of fast food, but the a in Gravel, Wyoming is like stepping back in time because you drive up and place your order you know through the loudspeaker and then a car hop actually comes out and brings you your food and you can put it like on that little tray on the window and I just think that's a cool experience that kids might like and they have really good uh, soft serve ice cream. Now we have a couple of more restaurants, two of them are full service restaurants with alcohol, a bar, you know, it's a full sit-down dinner. One is Lisa's Western Cuisine. Lisa's is kind of, I think she calls it Southwestern food, so it kind of has a Mexican vibe to it, but she also has great pastas, salads, and Steaks because you know, Wyoming is beef country. My favorite is the chile relleno because that's kind of messy to make at home, so I like to eat it at restaurants. Another restaurant is the speakeasy, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that because it kind of has an interesting backstory. So, you'll notice at the one and only light stoplight in Grable, there's a hotel at that corner, and it's called the historic Grable Hotel. If you're staying in Grable, that's the place I like to send people to. It's just a really cool old building and the owners have done a great job of decorating each room is just a little bit different and are decorated with antiques and all sorts of vintage goodies some of them are sweets so you can actually cook in there and you know has like a little living room area or you can eat at the speakeasy so the speakeasy isn't just called a speakeasy it actually was a speakeasy and it is tucked away where else but in the basement. So my dad was born in the 30s, and he wasn't a patron of the original speakeasy. But as a little boy, he heard the story that there was a secret passageway between the hotel and the bank across the street. The reason there was a secret passageway was because alcohol was illegal. So the fine men of Grable to get their booze on would go into the bank and you know do business or pretend to do business and then take the secret passageway and cross under the main street into the speakeasy and that's where they could drink. Some people say it's an urban legend but I don't think so because my dad told me this and he was not a tall tales kind of guy and he said that he and his best buddy heard that there was a secret passageway and so they set out to find it and they did. And by the time they got to it, so my dad was born in the early 30s. Uh, He was probably like 10 years old. So this was like the early 40s. By the time he found it, it had been caved in or maybe filled in because, you know, it doesn't sound like a good idea to have an underground passageway into a bank. (laughs) Sounds like a liability for a bank. So the bank probably shut it down. But they did go into the passageway, but they couldn't cross all the way across to the other side. So the speakeasy as it is today is down in the basement and it's just kind of got a romantic dinner supper club kind of vibe to it. Their food is really good. My favorite is the Tomato and cheese, basil, ravioli. It's just super tasty. The other very yummy place in Grable, and it is only open for lunch uh, and only during the week, and it's called the Renaissance Cafe. And this is truly a hidden gem. It's right on the main street of Grable. It shares a building or a space with a little antique place. And so there's a bunch of different signs. And maybe if I can find a sign of the front, I mean, find a picture of the front, I'll post it on the on the show notes because it has a bunch of signs on it. It says bootleggers liquor and Renaissance Cafe and crickets consignments, I think. So when you go in there, though, the first half of it is the restaurant. And what makes this restaurant special is not only she makes everything from scratch, but she has amazing desserts and it's just kind of a it's a good combination of kind of it feels a little bit fancy because she says she serves you tea in a proper teapot with really cute tea glasses so it kind of has like a little bit of an upscale feel but it's not it's very good down home cooking and amazing desserts her scones are really really good everything is just made from scratch she has a huge local following and I always love to find places that kind of only the locals know about so I wanted to share that with you. I want to tell you about a few other things to do while you're still in town. One is go to the Grable Post Office. You may have postcards or mail you have to send but even if you don't just march yourself up the stairs and look at the mural that is in the lobby. It is a beautiful piece of art. It's iconic. It'll only take you five minutes but it's really cool. I'm kind of obsessed with the art and architecture of the WPA of the Works Progress Administration and this is a mural that was put in towards the end of the WPA in 1940. It's called Chuck Wagon Serenade and it's it was painted by an artist named Manuel Bromberg and I did a little digging just because I I think it's just an interesting piece of work and so I have some backstory for you. This particular mural, it's it's a bunch of cowboys, it's kind of sunset and you can, you know, they're tired from being on the trail all day and they're sitting around a fire after dinner and they're singing, you know, I, one guy is playing the harmonica and the others are singing and they just have these amazing expressions and it's just iconically western. Well, In 1939, Manuel Bromberg, the artist, entered a mural competition, a national mural competition, and he entered it with this painting, the Chuckwagon Serenade, and he won it. He won the competition and What he gained from it was to be able to put, I think, four four or so murals in post offices around the country. So the rest of the story behind this is that just four years after completing the Grable murals, so like in 1944, Bromberg was then appointed as an official war artist, and he was sent to the European Theater. While he was there, he even had an exhibit at Westminster Abbey that was opened by Queen Elizabeth. But more importantly, he had his camera and his sketch pad with him at the landing of Omaha Beach. So he was a witness to this incredibly important event in the history of our nation, just four years after being in Grable, There's a website all about his artwork and I'm going to post it in the show notes, but I was astounded to learn that Bromberg turned a hundred years old in 2017. And as of April, 2020, he is still alive. As far as I'm concerned, he's a national treasure and everybody needs to know about him. And I can't help but wonder, does he remember our little old post office in Grebel, Wyoming? Another place that is worth a quick visit is the Grable Museum. The museum is co-located with the library where you can score some free Wi-Fi and pick up some pamphlets about, you know, local information. And the, mu- the museum is the other half of the building and it's just basically one big room. You can look at everything like in less than an hour. What makes it interesting is it has like a ro- lot of really neat old clothes, which my girls like to look at when they were little, but also tons of tons of rocks and minerals so you'll learn more about the geology of our area and then a mishmash of items donated by locals and among those items i want you to keep your eyes peeled because my very own grandma rose donated something that's in in the museum as a kid i loved to make that little pilgrimage over to the museum and look at the cast iron corn muffin pan donated by my grandma (laughs) Um, I was always amazed by that little muffin pan because you know it's not that big it's like eight by four maybe but the holes are in the shape of corn cobs and I just found that fascinating I still I've never seen it anywhere else so a little a little piece of our family history made it to the museum so that's Grable you can spend a day there you can stay at the historic hotel visit the airplanes the geoscience center walk on the dinosaur footsteps have a nice meal in Grable or I don't think I mentioned at the dinosaur place they have grills and like covered picnic areas if you want to if you like to cook yourself that's a really great place to have a picnic So you can do all that and still be in Cody by that evening if you're wanting to hit Yellowstone the next day. Earlier I mentioned our miles and miles of miles and miles and I love that phrase, it's so Wyoming. It leads us to the next segment, which is Wyoming wildlife. Now that phrase, Wyoming wildlife, is actually a monthly magazine put out by the Wyoming Game and Fish, which I have to give them a shout out because you can get a subscription to that magazine for 10 bucks and it comes out monthly. There's gorgeous wildlife photography and in-depth articles on Wyoming wildlife, research on wildlife, um, just some, it's it's a good magazine to have. So on this very first episode, I'm going to talk about deer and I picked deer because I know we're not the only state with deer, but we have a lot of deer and I know when I'm driving into Wyoming after I've been gone for a while, it's just always exciting to see those first animals, wildlife that, you know, actually you see antelopes a lot when you're coming up from, from Colorado, which is usually where I go. Um, but then you'll start seeing deer, too, in the fields and up in the mountains, and it's just so exciting. You know you're, you're in Wyoming once you start seeing wildlife just from the car. So, one thing about deer is that they are a bit unpredictable. And if you're not used to driving with deer around, you definitely have to pay extra special attention, especially during twilight, to just slow down. It doesn't matter what the speed limit is, don't go faster than 55 miles an hour because they will dart in front of you even after they seem to have gone in the opposite direction. They'll turn around and just run right into the road and you don't want to get into an accident with a deer. So in Wyoming we have two two different deer, mule deer which is the native deer and white tailed deer which is the non-native deer. And I'm going to give you some tips so you can tell the difference between the two. So the white tails have brown butts and as soon as they're alarmed, which if you slow down to take a picture of them, they that'll get their attention and as soon as they're alarmed and they start running off their little tail flips up and guess what it's white so that's why they're called white tail white tails they kind of prance when they run they run a little bit different but um, you'd have to see both of them running to be able to tell the difference the other difference is that mostly they like creek bottoms and they like fields near the edges of trees whereas mule deer, they kind of like everything. You'll see them anywhere and everywhere. So mule deer are named after mules. Their ears are bigger, but you rarely see them together. You rarely see the white tails and the mule mule deer together. They do intermingle, but there really aren't very many hybrids. In fact, I was reading an article about that in Wyoming Wildlife that most of the time they don't intermingle so mule deer have white butts (laughs) and bigger ears and they like it all they like the mountains they like the foothills and the fields honestly if you're driving through wyoming and you see deer you're probably looking at mule deer which is good because they're the natives another thing that i think is interesting for you to know is that all deer in the mountain west including wyoming are currently being monitored for chronic wasting disease. Now this disease is related to or similar to mad cow disease and yes, eventually it will kill the animals, but they can seem pretty normal and, and have the chronic wasting disease. So the only way to really monitor it, which uh, is done by the Wyoming Game and Fish Department, is to, in, to look at and inspect hunted carcasses. So if you're driving through Wyoming during hunting season, you may see signs that say check station ahead and wonder, hmm, what are they checking for? Well, they're checking for the chronic wasting disease. So I know that's not very pleasant, but I just think it's something interesting to know. Now for my last segment, which I'm calling out of the box now, a lot of states are blessed with a really cool state outline. I'm thinking of Michigan's hand, you know, every time you ask a Michigander where they're from, the first thing that pops up like a white tailed deer's tail is their hand. And they look at the hand as if it were a map and they point, okay, see where this my pinky is? I live right here. <laughs> Louisiana has a cool shape, it's an L. Texas has the iconic Texas shape. Well, Wyoming, we just have a big old box. So that's why this is called Out of the Box, because a lot of folks come to Wyoming as a road trip destination, although you can fly in too, of course. And if you are road tripping to Wyoming, you're going to go through either Colorado, Montana... South Dakota and Nebraska on the east or on the west side Idaho and Utah. I just thought it would be fun to give a little shout out to some of the really cool areas and towns just outside of our border that you might be coming through if you're if you're driving to Wyoming. Today in out of the box, I'm spotlighting Billings, Montana. So Billings is the closest large city and larger airport to Grable and to Yellowstone National Park. So if you are flying in to go to Yellowstone, you might not think to fly in to the neighboring state, but it's actually a really convenient place to fly into to visit Yellowstone. You can fly into Billings. And if you fly in during the day, it's a beautiful, beautiful, view uh you land on a cliff it's like a 500 foot cliff overlooking the city and i think i have a picture i'll post it in the show notes of just the view from the plane you can just tell like it gets exciting it's going to be really pretty so once you're in billings that is your last opportunity to go to any of the big box stores so if you're looking for camping gear or supplies for a road trip Uh, Billings has a lot of options, including REI and Cabela's. In Billings and around Billings, there are several things that are worth checking out. The first one I'm going to mention I haven't been to. I plan to go this summer once the quarantine is over. But I've done some research on it and thought I could share that information with you. And that is a national monument and it's called Pompey's Pillar National Monument. And it is uh, situated outside of Billings, along the Yellowstone River. And along the river in the cliffs, there are Native American petroglyphs, which I'm always uh, interested in seeing. And there's another thing that, um, the reason it's called Pompey's pillar is that that stone outcropping was named by William Clark of the Lewis and Clark river expedition from St. Louis all the way over to the Pacific Ocean. On the the cliffs themselves William Clark actually inscribed his signature and it's the only you know concrete proof of that trip that is still has survived. William Clark and Meriwether Lewis you know they named a lot of the places along their route and many of those places still carry those names and pompey's pillar is one of them it was named pompey's pillar after Sacagawea's baby pompey who was born during that expedition now of course we know that all of these places probably had names you know so they were renaming places that were that were named by native peoples um, and most of that is lost to us but This is kind of a cool bridge between those two worlds since it was named after Sacagawea's baby. I have two more billing suggestions and the next one is Zoo Montana which I have been to. I kind of have a love-hate relationship with zoos because it makes me sad that the animals are aren't wild and free but the love part is that you know when you are out in the wilderness You don't necessarily see a lot of wild animals and there are some wild animals you don't necessarily want to come into contact with. Like I don't want to come into contact with a a grizzly or a wolf. You know I I want them to be out there but I don't necessarily want to engage with them. So the good part about a zoo is that you are almost guaranteed to see animals that you wouldn't normally see in the wild. The unique thing about Zoo Montana is that All of the animals in the zoo are actually native to Montana or to other countries within the 45th parallel. So they're all from that familiar climate, which means they live in more naturalized settings. Zoo Montana has done a really great job of setting up their display areas for the animals in a a more natural way. So you really do feel like you're peeking in on them in a wild setting. I got to see animals that I know are native to our area, but that I've never seen. Like, for example, um, wolverines. They had a pair of wolverines there that were just a blast to watch because they were playing with the toys that they had set out for them and they were just being super active. Uh, River otters, you know, I know we have river otters, but I've never seen any. And then, of course, animals that I have seen, but not as closely, such as bald eagles. You know, I've seen many bald eagles, but not up that close. So it's just a real treat of a place. It's a beautiful um, garden-like setting to walk around. It's a nice little hike and definitely worth your while. I have a tip for you when you go visit Zoo Montana. On the main drag, like the highway that goes through Billings, There's a they did a good job of putting a sign up that says Zoo Montana, next exit. But then once you get on that road, whatever it's called, I think it's Zoo Drive, but once you get on that road, there's no more signage and then eventually you get to a T intersection, and you're like, okay, where's Zoo Montana? My tip for you is when you get to that T intersection, take a left. You're really close to Zoo Montana at that intersection but they just didn't give you that last bit of information that says take a left and then the zoo is on. Learn from my mistakes and my my other Billings suggestion is my favorite little hole-in-the-wall place to eat in Billings. It's called Crazy Mary's Fish and Chips. So that might kind of be a surprise to you which it was to me to find like a really good fish and chip place out west. You guys I have some deep fish and chips roots I lived in Scotland as a kid for seven years and anytime my mom didn't want to cook my dad would give me 10 pounds and say go buy some fish and chips. So I'm kind of a fish and chips snob and crazy old Mary does a really good job. She does also serve non-fish items and she even has a different griddle for people who may have allergies. So I think that says a lot about how she cares for her customers. One warning is you may be driving around thinking where the heck am I because she's located in kind of a randomly industrial area there's no little shops or other restaurants in that area but I promise you it's very well worth finding it and it's actually even convenient to go there either before or after the airport because it's at the foot of that big old cliff that the airport is on So I hope you've enjoyed my very first episode of Wyoming, my 307, as much as I enjoyed making it. And if you've made it this far, I just want to thank you for listening in and being patient as I figure out this technology. I am so excited to bring you future episodes. I know today I went into a lot of detail about Grable because I know that town so well but future episodes may focus more on nature, on Wyoming history, and I definitely want to invite some guests to come give us their perspective on Wyoming. I will always, always though, highlight a little spot on the map like Grable because I do believe that every town has a story and has something to offer. Anything that I mentioned on this episode, if there's a link for it online, like to the museums and the restaurants, I will definitely post those links on the show notes. And thank you so much for listening in and please subscribe so you can get more wonderful Wyoming in your feed. I'd love to hear from you. If you have questions, suggestions, corrections, you can email me. Uh, My email is wyomingmy307 at gmail.com. And I also have an Instagram with the same handle, wyomingmy307, all one word. And I hope to hear from you. Happy trails to you. Until we meet again.